Hey everyone, welcome back to Purposeful Marketing, where we're marketing with a purpose for the everyday practitioner. Um, today, Aaron Weeks is traveling, which is uh, a bummer because it's always great to see him. I hope he gets home safe. Um, but we have a special guest that we are incredibly excited to add to the show. His name is Alex Monroe. He is a project manager here at Gorilla. Um, and we're going to talk about project management. Um, project manager is not necessarily a position I think a lot of our in-house marketer friends are really familiar with in terms of like what the role does, um, what's valuable about it, um, how it works. So I'm just going to kick it right to Alex to kind of give us a breakdown of like his role at Gorilla, what uh, value he brings to the team. Yeah. Hi, James. Hi, Mary. It's great to be on the podcast. Uh, I'm Alex Monroe, project manager at Gorilla76. Um, project manager, what's like such a loaded title, right? It could be, it literally means a thousand things. So depending on what industry you're in, it's going to do, uh, have a lot of different roles um, to play in your organization. In a marketing organization, I'll say the most typical roles that you'll find project management um, sort of taking on are resourcing. So making sure that all the work that your agency needs to do um, is getting divided amongst the staff in a way that is manageable. Um, and then also being able to forecast resourcing and know in the future, do we need to hire more? Um, you know, or how, how uh, utilized are we? Are we like just like underusing our staff? Are we having too many internal meetings and not leaving enough room to do client work? That kind of a thing. And then um, the other thing you'll probably typically see in an agency is that a project manager might handle what's called traffic. Although over the years, I think that the, we've tried to get away from that in marketing. It's like a project manager doesn't just manage like, okay, here's this task. I got to assign it to somebody. And then here's this task. I got to assign it to somebody else. That's like doing traffic, right? It's like directing traffic. Um, there's less of that. Um, uh, that's mostly, I think, changed because teams have become so much more self-managed. And now what, um, at least at our agency, what project management is looking at is more like OPM or organizational project management. So like, how do we do this process, especially like a big interdepartmental process within the organization? How do we coordinate all these teams to work together? Um, because someone's got to kind of see it from that higher level perspective. So those are the things I, um, I'm working on most at Gorilla. Uh, yeah. There you go. Project management in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah that's think, awesome. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I imagine that just hearing the things that you do, some people are probably like, man, I wish my organization had a project manager because I could really <laughs> use some help. I could really use someone to show my leadership team that uh, I need another team member. Um, I need another person on my team or I need um, X resource. Um, maybe I'll, uh, I know Mary has kind of experienced a lot of that being an in-house marketer. Maybe if, uh, Mary, you could like kind of take that perspective and, um, comment or lead Alex into some tough questions. Yeah. I think there's like, there's two things that caught me, like just thinking about my time as an in-house marketer. Number one is like process management. So like my leader managed all of our internal processes, which knowing what my current marketing strategy leader 
um, the director here at Gorilla 76 does, like she doesn't have time for that. She's like busy <laughs> making sure we're a more efficient team that we're doing, that we're having better, like we're being better utilized across the department and across clients. And you could look at that from an in-house perspective as your leadership team should be making sure you're better utilized across projects. So like what channels you're doing and what marketing initiatives you have. And I think that kind of took second tier because there's just so much going on. So like our leader had to do so much process management that there wasn't a lot of like strategic thinking involved. So that stuck out to me like hard. And then the second one was the one James just said, which is, um, forecasting hiring needs. I think mm. the only time we really thought about hiring someone new, and that could have been in marketing or in product engineering, you know, across departments that I saw anyways, was just like, when is everyone so desperate for someone <laughs> to take more tasks that we need to hire somebody? And I don't think that's taken into consideration because as we know, let's say you do find someone, they have another job, they might have to give two to four weeks notice. So there's a month added on. You probably had a month or two of um, interviewing and putting out ads out there or job postings online. So, I mean, you just push your timeline back. Your team is desperate for a hire right now, and you probably won't even be able to onboard that person for another four months. So just so crazy. So those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, that's a, such a good point about hiring. It can be so tricky because of the of the sort of gap in time, right? The slack time between when you say like, oh, oh no, we need somebody on our team and to when we can actually deploy that person, right? And so there's like a lot of strategic thing that goes into that, um, both on the side of like, well, if we're, we have too much work and not enough people, that's, that's like one bad side too. Also having too many people and not enough work is also like a, a like for your, uh, sponsors above you or your, you know, your bosses are not going to be in love with that either. Right. So it's, it's trying to like sort of come up with scenarios and find out how you can balance that. And there's, there's like a few ways we do that, which is, you know, if we, if we see in the, in like our pipeline of business that is solid, you know, that we think is really going to sign on that there is enough work to sustain a person. Well, that's like an easy decision, right? We see that coming. We see these people are like, you know, 80% likely or whatever percentage you assign to the likelihood that they're actually going to sign on to work with you. Or if you're like an in-house person, like you see all this work coming and you know, it's, it's like slated to happen. Like that's a good opportunity to think about hiring. Whereas like sometimes you just don't know, right? One of the hardest parts is like just not knowing what's going to happen after a few months out. And I think uh, part of the role of the project manager there is to also like have more tools in their tool belt. So like, what, what can we do to bridge a gap or to buy ourselves some time so that we can see if this is like, cause we want to make a sustainable hire, right? We don't want to hire someone and then lay them off in six months. Like that would be the worst case scenario. You spend all this money on onboarding them and now you have to let them go because they just don't have the work to continue to pay them. So, you know, you look into like contractor relationships, um, things like that. These are, these are ways that we can bridge the gap and, Sometimes it seems like that can seem rough to a team, but once you, I think, start to use a, a scenario like that and you get comfortable using a contractor, it becomes this really nice release valve that then lets you like not make a bad decision because you didn't know what was coming, right? It saves you from having that too many people later down the road. Um, some agencies do, I mean, they kind of do another thing, which is that they'll hire the person full time. And then if they don't have enough work, they'll like, hire that person out to other people as staff augmentation. And I think 
that gets into a messy kind of area. I'd much rather be doing the contractor scenario where we don't, you know, we only hire the person when we're really ready to add them as like a permanent member, a permanent fixture of our team. And uh, thinking about that, their job won't be immediately at risk if, you know, new business slows down by 25% or if, you know, we lose a client or something, that would be a, a really bad scenario, I think. So I've got a question. Sure. Um, thinking from an in-house perspective or maybe from an agency perspective as well, like, you know, presumably a dedicated project manager um, is not, you know, a priority hire when you're like a team of two um, that kind of needs to grow to a team of three. But like, is there is there best practice or, you know, do you have an opinion potentially about, you know, when, you know, if, if my internal marketing team is now seven people um, and I'm and we're starting to feel some of these pains that supposedly a project manager solves, is that a big enough team to justify a marketing project manager? Yeah, so that, that's a good question. And um, I'm going to answer it in a couple of different ways. So if, if you're working at an agency and you're a team, like you're a small, like maybe just starting up an agency, um, the first, I'm going to think if I remember this right, I'm taking this from David Baker, by the way. So this is um, just advice. He's, he's a, a consultant in the marketing field. He's been that for like 30 plus years, I think. And he said, the first thing as a founder, you should outsource is project management. So when you can no longer keep track of all the engagements that you've booked, you can do the work, but you can't really keep track of the timelines and everything and just resourcing to know when you need to hire somebody new. That's like the first thing he says, you should, you should start to send out the door. That's the first hat you can take off. I think he said there's something like, I want to say like 21 different hats or something that like an agency has. And then that may be way too many. I, I don't remember the exact number, but they start talking about which ones you should take off first. And that's the first one. So if you think about it that way, it's, it's, it's sort of that important. You need someone to manage the work getting done. Um, and by taking that off your plate as a, as a, a principal or a founder of a group, then you can focus just on doing work and someone is just handing you things to continue to do. Um, but it's not the first thing you would do to hire like a strategist or somebody else. It's hiring someone just to organize all the work for you so that you can do more. Um, if you're on an internal team, I think that the better way to think about it is probably we need at least some percentage of a full-time equivalent or like an FTE that is a project manager. So if you're the boss of a group of seven people, maybe you're doing that job, but you should be factoring in and making a reasonable like uh, prediction or allocation of how much of your time you're going to spend managing the projects. And then like, just block that out of your own capacity. Like, it's going to take me, you know, half my job to manage this. Okay, great. Can I do the rest of my job? You know, if the answer is no, you either need to shift that responsibility to somebody else. Like it needs to take up like that amount of space, however much it actually takes to, to do the project management. It needs to take up that space in someone's job description or, or workload. Once it gets to be a full-time equivalent, um, you may as well hire the person to do it, right? Because otherwise maybe you're dividing it in amongst a couple people and then that's like inefficient because the more people, you know, having more than one leader doesn't really work or you have like different ways of working because now you've got two people doing project management their own ways. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that would go into it, but I would say, you know, and we had this kind of thing come up with other roles too. It's like once you've got a full-time equivalent of a person, 
that much work to do that job, then like you should probably just have somebody specialize in that because they're going to actually find more efficiency in than how the rest of your team has done it as like a 15% or 20% portion of their job. Yeah, I think it's really important to Alex, just thinking about my time as an in-house marketer and knowing how many projects we had to manage and we didn't even have project management software. So like Alex is talking about this from like the perspective of he also has access to a really nice, high functioning, automated project management tool. So like if you're like a full, if you're an in-house marketer or an in-house anything and you don't have project management, this is like Alex is also talking about managing its own software. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of like really easy to use free tools too, which if you're, you know, a small de like department, I, I think if you're one single team, there are like a lot of options out there for how you can manage that free options too. Like you don't need to get bells and whistles really, or you can get really cheap ones if you do need some of that stuff. But I mean, th using things like Asana or Trello, they have like really pretty easy to use free versions. I think even ClickUp has a free version. That's what we use. But, um, you know, with one team, it's easy because everything is happening the same way. There isn't like multiple teams doing things multiple different ways, or you don't need to coordinate as much of that organizational project management. Like I was talking about, like, how, how do we as an organization do this work similarly so that people can interchange on teams and not be totally lost? Like, well, I have no idea how this team works. So now I have to spend like a month getting acclimated to how this team works it needs to be the same across the board. So again, with a small team, I would, I would definitely try to implement um, one of those tools. If for no other reason, then you'll discover like, oh, well, we actually need something that does this or need something that does that. And you can then look at your paid options from there, but you'll realize that whether or not it, whether it's helpful or it, it doesn't work. And you also get yourself in the shape of using it. What it forces you to do is standardize because once something is like written down in a software, it's like you, you just kind of, you, you don't want to do it differently every time because then you can't utilize the functions of the software, which are like duplication, right? Like if we do this project, we'd love to be able to copy this project and then just change some things. And now we're ready to go again, right? We just did all that setup in less time. And then every time it's less because we've refined that. Um, so I don't know if there was a question in your comment or not that I answered, but hopefully that was insightful for someone out there. <laughs> yeah, all of, all of this. So I'm going to take a, kind of a devil's advocate view. It's not incredibly far from like some opinions I actually hold, but I'm going to state it in a way that is just like kind of intentionally obtuse, but like, you know, a lot of this talk sounds like, you know, efficiency, 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 efficiency. And, you know, at what point is, you know, it's, it's not doing the work. You know, so why, you know, why is it, why, how do I know that it's really important? Like, how do I know that it's really going to be helpful? Um, how do, how can it make my work better? It sounds yeah. like it's just a tool for ownership to squeeze more juice out of, out of my rind. <laughs> I think, I think it's a, a common trope, you know, um, especially with like smaller um, companies or smaller teams like oh we don't need that it's just another layer of something else i got to do right and maybe somebody's benefiting from it but it's not me 
Um, I think if you do, if you do project management badly, um, that's probably true. Um, it, it can be, it can just get in the way you have to take, um, using tools like that. You have to take them on with the approach of like, we're setting this up to make our life easier. Like the whole point of setting it up should be to make your life easier. So it won't just be that like, oh, well, you can be more efficient, more efficient, more efficient. It also helps you organize things like, okay, well, what are what actually are the requirements of this project and where are they documented? You know, where do I find them if I'm working on this project? Like, how do I know what the definition of done is for what I'm doing? And you know, maybe you think you don't spend that much time looking for those things, but if you're able to standardize and have them in the same place, the team all knows are in the same place, it reduces the amount of communication you have to have, you know, to say, what did we tell, you know, you have to write a Slack message or email or call somebody, what did we tell them exactly? So it's going to be 800 words or a thousand words. It's just like, you can just organize it all and make it so easily accessible so that that's like a big part of project management is like collecting requirements and then actually checking them off. Like, you've met the definition of done for what you promised, right? So that's one big thing uh, it can really take care of. Another thing is just like communication management. Um, you know, one of the big ideas is like, there's so many ways to communicate, right? Like, I mean, you can do Zoom, phone calls, text messages, Slack, email. Like the idea should be that if you're implementing a software like this that has communication functions, which most of them do, like you're keeping all that communication that is documented and it is um, like, you know, you know where to find it if you're on the team and also, you know, where to find like information about conversations that um, would dictate like, what are we doing next? Like, what do we promise? You know, we, we've noted this down in our software. We've, we've just made it easier on ourselves to find. Um, last thing I'll say about that is I think that this is my own philosophical standpoint, but I think that people are happy when they come to work and they sort of know what to expect. It's not true for everybody. Some people like to come to work and be like challenged and surprised every day. But I think that challenge and surprise is not like in just the way of like getting your job done. Like if you dug trenches for a living and every day you showed up, you didn't know if you'd have like a broken shovel or like a shovel that worked really well. Like, I think that would be like a big bummer, right? The days you showed up and you're like, ah, oh, shovel's broken today. I'm like not gonna get anything done, right? So that is, I think you're a lot happier if you know, like I'm going to show up tomorrow and things are going to run smoothly and I'm going to be able to focus my brain on the challenges I want to focus them on, right? Burnout happens when the opposite of that is true. You like have all these challenges that you'd love to tackle, but you're too busy, like triaging everything all the time. And you're just like, forget this, right? And then you just want to like quit and find a new challenge because you can't, your brain can't even get to the activity that it wants to get to at least not often enough. So that's all. That's my last point. On yeah. That. I could not agree more with that. Just knowing <laughs> coming from a place that had inefficient processes pre in my prior jobs, it's just like, it's so much more difficult. And it's like, and it's frustrating as a millennial to go into these like homegrown systems for, it could be project management. It could be, um, CRM, CMS, like, you know, name your tool. And it is just the most aggravating thing to be a digital native and to not have certain things automated. Like, what do you mean I need to click 37 buttons to make this, to make this order go through? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, somebody has to design that button, uh, that set of like, how, how is the cust uh, customer experience going to happen? Right. In this case. And like, 
that pro- that whole thing has to be coordinated because there are different competing interests in what needs to be told to the customer, where where things need to go, like uh, the shipping department might need to know something, the you know the like billing needs to know something else. It's like there's a lot of competing things and like who organizes all that. Like nobody wants to be the person if they're just working on that team that has to make sure that like accounts receivable is happy and shipping is happy and you know all these different areas of the business have what they need. Well, that's where project management comes in. That's like why it exists is to like make sure that we can like we can achieve both our goals from the marketing department, which like this needs to be as simple as possible for the customer to get to buy, right? And also fulfill all those other jobs. And like you're right. That's where automations come from. We come up with these solutions so that we can make everybody happy. But someone has to spend time thinking about that solution. You know, nobody, no one else has that interest in mind. No one else, everyone else has their own interest. But the project manager has the holistic interest, you know, in mind. So, so yeah. let's say, um, you know, best case scenario, we've got a listener, an in-house marketer who says like, my God, like we need, we need this function and we need someone to take the mantle and start doing some of this, like, um, putting some of these, um, ideas into practice and making them work for our team. Um, and they show this podcast to their leadership and their leadership says, oh my gosh, I agree. You know, what, what does the right person to take on this look like in your opinion? Like what's, what's needed? Like what, what mental tools, um, do you need to arm yourself with before you engage in this kind of work? Man, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think it's a good question. I should say, I think it, it, the answer is it depends, right? Um, it depends on what you need most. I think it, there's like a, probably a stereotype that like, well, if you need a project manager, you need someone who's very detail oriented. I think that's true to an extent, but I think that, and especially in smaller teams, you need someone who's a little bit more strategic minded, who can look towards the end or the middle of this project. If you're at the beginning, like can look towards the middle and the end and say like, well, okay, well, where are we going to hit a roadblock here? Or where is there potential trouble? Right. Um, so I wouldn't just get someone who's incredibly detail oriented because if you just have an order taker, no one's going to be doing that kind of thinking. Um, so it is detail oriented, but it's detail oriented on like a strategic thinking level. Um, let's see someone who is f- flexibly inflexible. Uh, uh, I'll put it that way. There's, um, a good way of thinking about this, like, which is like basically 80, 20 principles. Like you want to design processes and, and have a project manager who like wants things to work the right way. 80% of the time, I think. And then 20% of the time, understand that it's not going to fit into a mold. You have to have someone who's stubborn enough to push back, who's not just um, sort of amenable to whatever the team wants to do, but at the same time, isn't going to be so stubborn that like they run a project into the ground. Cause that could also happen too. Like, you know, sometimes we just need to make things work or we're uh, experiencing something for the first time. Right. So there has to be a certain level of flexibility there, but not so much like if you're, if you're an agency owner and you're hiring a project manager, you don't want somebody who just is going to um, be uh deferential to you. Like 
that would not be useful to you because they're just going to go along with whatever you say and not help you find out what those things are down the road that might get in your way. So, um, so that's the kind of person you need, you need someone who's flexibly inflexible. Yeah. I said that right. Flexibly flexible and, um, is a good strategic thinker. The other part I would say might be you want someone who's not afraid and this kind of goes to the deferential thing, but someone who's not afraid of not being the most popular person in the room. Um, I think that, that is, that's a really uh, characteristic of maybe somebody who works in client success, right? Like, or like relationship building is like number one in their job. It's like the most important thing is that they know how to maintain a relationship. That's not true for project management. Um, there are things that supersede relationship management. Now, of course, as a good project manager, you should be able to have a good relationship and good rapport with your team but you should never be able to be seen as someone who will just like go along with whatever you say, or is like, you know, doesn't want to like lose friends. So they won't speak up about something. That's not the right person <laughs> to do the job that you're talking about. Um, which is something I have to deal with all the time. Cause I, I have a need to be liked, but, <laughs> but I work in project management. So I also have to kind of put that aside when I'm in project manager mode and just say like, this might, annoy the person that I'm saying it to because they want to move this thing along or whatever, but I have to be the sticky person or the thorn that comes in and says, yeah, that's great. But what about this? You know, prove to me that this isn't going to be a problem. That kind of a thing. You're telling me that Michael Scott wouldn't be a good project manager. <laughs> he would be a terrible, he's not a good manager at all period. So <laughs> in that show, um, but, um, but yeah, I also want to say that, you know, hiring a project manager shouldn't be the only way that you think about bringing project management into your your org or your team or whatever. I mean, there are a lot of principles of project management that would be very beneficial for whoever is the, the leader, the team lead, to just know and understand, even if you're not doing formalized process, right? And a few of these are like... Um, you know, the, like the iron triangle principles. I don't know if you guys are familiar with these, but basically you have time on one side, you have scope on one side and you have budget on one side. So these pieces, you know, at the beginning of a project, we try to make them all fit together. So we have a plan that says we can do this amount of work on this budget in this time frame. Okay, so what happens when one of those things changes? If you have like an equilateral triangle and you suddenly make one of the sides longer, it doesn't work, right? You have to change the other sides. And so you can change one of the sides and then you can make one small, like you can, you can think of the triangle as like the visual that you can work off of. One of those sides gets longer or shorter. Usually one of the other ones has to change. So you have to just have that mo mode of thinking. If someone's asking you to do a larger scope, okay, we either need more time or budget to do that. Like you will have to adjust one of those things. If the budget goes down, you either have to reduce the scope or change the time restraint. Right. If someone wants to change, we need this sooner. Okay. Well, you're either going to need to change the budget or you're going to have to uh, bring the scope down, you know, some, so that all of those things work together. That's a great principle just to like have in the back of your head when you're dealing with clients or you're dealing with, you know, your team or whatever, like to navigate, to triage an issue when it comes up, just to understand that's what needs to change the other two sides of that component. Um, Having a good process for collecting requirements from your clients or from your team, if you're, or from your sponsor, if you're doing a project that like the, the VP of product is having you do, you know, some project they're sponsoring it. Like, okay, well we need to have like a, a clear system of like 
document what are all the things that this needs to do and let's get them in writing because you know things change during a project that, that can be a really big problem because like you've already started your way working towards this thing and now if you find out oh, actually you should have been aiming over there well now like we just kept to start over so so getting those like written down and and really clear um it's really important and on that same note having a process for when something does change. Okay. Don't just be caught off guard and everyone's really angry because now there's a change in the project. Let's just have a process for having a change order. What are we, what are we going to do? And that can look different in all sorts of places. I'm not going to go into the right or wrong ways to do that, but just having a process will make everyone much happier. It's like, okay, well now this client wants this instead of that. What are we, what are we going to do? Okay. Let's just go through the process um, to untangle this now. Um, having a clear communication management like how are you going to do communications write it down what are your standards you know you have maybe you use slack and email and zoom okay well when should you use those different tools and for what what's the expected turnaround time on an email what's the expected turnaround time on a slack message just so that everyone knows where should i put this message how urgent is it you know if you say we need you need 48 hours you should allow 48 hours for an email turnaround don't write an urgent email <laughs> There's no reason you should write an urgent email if there's a 48 hour turnaround. You know, you have to use a different channel for that. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. The other thing is like, if you're, if you're managing a project within your organization, um, one of the things that can help you in a big way if things go off the rails is knowing what the critical path is. So meaning like what, basically it's like your route to a minimum viable product. Like what in this project is absolutely necessary for, for us to produce something usable at the end and what is extraneous or just kind of bonus, you know what I mean? What, if we had to strip something away, what would it be? And that's understanding the critical path of your project and making sure that that is going to get done on time and then deprioritizing things, even though you might be ready to work on this bell or whistle or this bell or whistle, like, okay, let's make sure we allocate resources to finish the critical path before those things, before we allocate resources to those, you know. Um, so those are just like a rundown of some quick principles that I think are really important for people to think about if they're managing projects. And again, they don't have to be that formalized. If you just understand that they exist, it will change your frame of thinking when you're managing the project. Yeah, I love that. I think that all of those can be super helpful to pretty much anyone in pretty much any situation, um, especially if you need if you don't feel good about something, like if you have a bad feeling about a pro the way a project is going, especially because you're being asked to do something by leadership that is changing and you don't, you just have a bad feeling about it. I think like a lot of those principles, understanding them arms you with like the language with which you can communicate what unsettles you about something and whether or not it's gonna work and whether or not you can perform it. Um, feel like we're, we're pushing right up against time. I feel like the last important question that I, I'm sure Mary and I both are interested in your answer on, like, let's say maybe you're just like a single marketing generalist and you have, you know, one leader. Um, it's, it's just not, you're not going to be able to like implement anything serious, but you, you have the ability to make incremental changes you know, towards a better state of working, like what would your first steps be if you were just a team member in, in a team that feels like they desperately need this kind of work environment, but 
has no idea how to get there from where they're at now. So you're talking about like, if you're a, a member of the team, that's not in a leadership position, but you want to yeah. maybe push the, push that idea on the team a little bit. Um, I would say there's a lot of these things that you could develop into your own tools and ways of working. And just, I mean, I see this happen all the time in Gorilla, honestly, like people develop their own little tools for handling problems that once people see them in action, they're like, oh, why don't we just do that all the time? Um, some great examples of this, I think, could be, um, even if it's just for your part of a project, creating detailed requirements, like, and, and writing them down and then showing like whoever, like, this is what I understand you'll need from me on this project, right? Um, little things like that might end up snowballing into the project, whoever's leading the project, doing that for the whole project. Like, oh, great. I should just get this from everybody. And then I'll have a whole, you know, a whole list. Um, maybe you could develop like your own, uh, what we call it, a racy chart. So, which is a communication chart it means, uh, let's see, responsible, accountable, consulted and informed. I had to remember those four. Um, so there's like a matrix you can make and like, you might make that up for yourself so that you understand like, so um, like I understand that like I'm accountable for this uh, particular part of this project. Um, but I also went ahead and wrote, these, these are the people I think need to be, um, I need to keep informed and I've written them down. These are the people I think, you know, need to be consulted about decisions I make. And like, these are the people who are ultimately accountable for this project, like, and showing that, you know, and just saying like, is, do I have this right? You know, like I'm doing it for me. So I know who I need to keep informed. But again, that might bleed into somebody saying, oh, like, that's, that's great. We should just have that for the whole project, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, same thing with the, the requirements, like the definition of done, you know, if you want to be really sure about your part of the project, like when, have, when have I completed what I need to do? Like getting someone to tell you very clearly what the definition of done is of your part. Um, these are just like ways of working that if you keep doing, I think they will bleed off on other people because you'll probably start to realize that like you've made your, your vision of what your next month, weeks, months, year will be like, because you've clearly notated this stuff down and other people will probably get a sense of that. Um, I know that it's worked on me seeing other people use it at Gorilla and being like, man, I got to do what they're doing because they seem so on top of it. Like it is just working for them. So that's what I would say is, you know, just try to use some of the principles um, that we've discussed here today. And all of the stuff you said, if you, if you Google a lot of these terms I've used, you'll probably find, you know, if you want to go down a rabbit hole on any of them or see examples, like you can find templates for this stuff everywhere. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to come across. So you wouldn't have to create it from scratch or anything like that. Mary, you got anything else? I feel like this was a marvelous conversation. I didn't yeah. I feel like, questions. man, like <laughs> chock full of project management, tactical advice, like any marketer could take and implement tomorrow. That was awesome, Alex. Well, good. I'm glad yeah. it was helpful. Thanks a bunch. You're going to be, we, watch yourself because you could end up replacing weeks uh, <laughs> a lot more often. I think, I think my, my, uh, my knowledge will, you know, not extend far enough for your audience into the marketing realm, unfortunately, but I'd be happy to be back anytime. Awesome. Um, well, 
thanks a bunch for listening, y'all. We will uh, see you in a week. Thanks, guys. Peace. Thank you.